You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. wants to rob you and steal you of the confidence you have in your salvation. He wants you to start thinking, maybe I'm not saved. Oh, me, maybe I can't get back. But once you have confessed your sin, it's forgiven. And then you don't have to entertain the accusations. You don't have to entertain the condemnation anymore. And once again, our dear brother Paul probably knew this more than anybody because of what he did before he met Jesus Christ. It's not uncommon for people to doubt their salvation. You've probably done it before yourself. Maybe you relapsed into sin a few times, or even just felt like maybe you didn't pray right the first time. Today, Pastor Dave reminds us that the Apostle Paul explained that this is a trick used by the enemy to create doubt in our hearts. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 3 as he continues his message, Blessed Assurance. Let's begin with verse 19. The apostle picks up his thought and says, By this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. John uses again one of his most favorite phrases. By this we know. By this we know. We've been studying this, that you know. Remember, this is a big theme for John, that you would know. By this we know. In this instance, the word knowns mean to be sure, to be confident. John is telling us that we can be sure of our salvation and we can have confidence that it's true. This is the blessed assurance that John is speaking of. The confidence in our salvation. John is saying that when we both, when we love in both deed and truth, we know we are of the truth and have assurance before the Lord. And in other words, loving in both deed and truth gives us the confidence We're one of his children. Do you love in deed and in truth? Are you just throwing out the warm fuzzies? Love you, bro. Or do your actions match what you're saying? Because he said if you're loving in word only and in tongue only, there's a problem there. Love is demonstrated. How did Jesus manifest his love for us? By dying on a cross. There's an action there. There's an action there. And this is what John is talking to us about today. He's reassuring us. He wants us to have this confidence. Paul understood this confidence. Paul knew about this confidence. And he writes in the first chapter of Philippians in verse 6. I'm going to read verse 3 down through 7. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, talking to the Philippian church, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my change and in my defense, 
and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me of grace. Paul says, my confidence is in what happened on the cross. That's where my confidence is. And I know for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, without any qualms, God is working in you too. And he's going to complete that work in you. Why? Because it's his work to complete. And God's never faithless. He's always faithful. God will always do that which he says in his book, and you can count on that, and you can bank on that. So John wants to reassure us, wants to reassure us of what we already know, wants us to have confidence. The confidence comes from practice. I know, practice. A Christian who practices love grows in his understanding of the truth and enjoys a heart-filled confidence with the Lord. And that confidence brings such joy. That confidence brings such peace. And that confidence brings such security. And that confidence brings such hope. You all want that. You all want to live like that. That you have that confidence in him. But John says, be careful. Be careful, Christian, of a condemning heart. Look at verse 20. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows All things. Why is he warning us about a condemning heart? Well, a condemning heart robs us of peace. Another way way to look at it would be a heart that is accusing. The heart can wrongly accuse you and condemn you because Jeremiah said the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? Well, he answers his question God knows your heart. God knows exactly what's in your heart because God is greater than your heart and he knows all things. Remember, Jesus said in John's gospel 2, 25, he knows what's in man. He knows what's in God's heart. How many times a day or how many times a week or how many times in this last month or whenever have you come down on yourself because something you've done and have you accused yourself? How many times have you done that? Make no mistake. God never makes a mistake. He knew the worst of you when Jesus went to the cross. And he loved you in spite of yourself. And even with this knowledge, Jesus still died for you, even though you were a sinner. And a Christian who walks in the love of the Lord has an open heart to God, and he is assured that God never judges wrongly. Now, when John wrote this, was he thinking of the time when they all went to Mary and Martha's house and were going to have a dinner party? Martha was busy in the kitchen. She had her hands rolled up, and she was making the meal. Mary sits at Jesus' feet. Martha comes in and rails at them both. Lord, Jesus, sitting there when I'm helping her, don't you care? You remember Jesus' answer? Mary has chose the better part. Mary has chosen the better part because Jesus knew Mary's heart. He knew her heart, and he gave Mary the assurance she needed because she had chosen a better place. Or Peter denies the Lord three times. His heart is condemned. His heart is condemning him because he denied the Lord three times. He is filled with remorse, and Scripture says he went out and wept bitterly. But he was also filled with godly sorrow, and that led him to repentance. Why did Jesus restore Peter? Because Jesus knew what was in Peter's heart. Jesus knew what was in Peter's heart, and he restored him. Peter's heart condemned him. But the Lord was greater than Peter's heart. Jesus knows all things and gave Peter the much-needed assurance. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. See, condemnation and accusations, they're the devil's toys. 
He loves to throw those things out at you. Remember, he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren, loves to stand before the throne, and he's allowed in the throne room, and he stands before the throne and says, look at that, Dave. Look what he just did, and he's a pastor. Come on. He's accuser. He wants to rob you and steal you of the confidence you have in your salvation. He wants you to start thinking, "Mm, maybe I'm not saved. Oh, me, maybe I can't get back. But once you have confessed your sin, it's forgiven. And then you don't have to entertain the accusations. You don't have to entertain the condemnation anymore. And once again, our dear brother Paul probably knew this more than anybody because of what he did before he met Jesus Christ. What Paul was a murderer. He was against the Lord. He was against everything about Jesus. And he drugged people out of synagogues and and took them to Jerusalem where they were either killed or they were forced to recount Jesus Christ. But when he was knocked off his horse or whatever he was riding, and was knocked on the ground and the light appeared to him and he accepted Jesus Christ. He writes these beautiful words in Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit and life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul understood that. He was secure in that. He he knew that. If you really understand this verse, Romans 8, 1 and 2, if you really chew on it and really let it sink into your heart, I believe it'll change your life. I believe it'll change your life because so many of us have lived as a Christian in constant condemnation, in constant condemnation because though my spirit was indeed willing, my flesh can be pretty weak. And how many times week after week would I promise God that I was going to do better next week, Lord? I apologize for my failures of the past week, but I'm going to promise next week, Lord, I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to do this more. I'm going to do that more. I'm always feeling guilty because I always feel like I'm breaking my vow before God. And I was not doing the things that I promised God I would do. I was constantly feeling condemnation. But there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. Why? Paul says, for this law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. There's a new law working in me. God said to Jeremiah, I will make a new covenant with my people, no longer on written tablets, but I will write my law in the fleshly tablets of their heart. I will write my law in the fleshly tablets of their heart. The law of the spirit of life that God has written is on your heart and my heart. God accepts that which is in my heart and he knows what is there. He sees it and he accepts it because he's greater than my heart. And this gives me a blessed assurance. It gives me a blessed assurance. God knows my love for him. He knows my love for him because he looks deep into the depths of my heart. He knows my desire is to please him. He knows my desire is to serve him. And God has written his law in my heart. Now he can direct me and control my desire and my new life by the spirit of Jesus Christ. Why do you think Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And it's how interesting now that even my desires of my heart are new. They're not the same as they used to be because of Jesus Christ. And 
If I stumble, if I fall, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who's making an intercessor for me. And I can confess my sin because he's faithful and just to, cleanse, to, to forgive my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I have that confidence. I have that confidence because I'm trusting and believing on the work that he did on the cross. He forgives me and I can move on to his glory be praised. John says in verse 21 and 22, Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God and whatever we ask We receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Love for the brethren produces confidence towards God. And this confidence towards God gives us boldness in asking what we need and asking for our prayers. But make note, I'm not saying that loving the brethren means that you'll get an answer to every prayer. It's not what I'm saying. What is being said is that by loving the brethren, It proves that you're living in the will of God. And now God can answer your prayer and can answer your prayer. Why? Why do you think that is? Why is loving so important? What does the scripture say about loving? What makes it so important that we do these things? What makes it so so important that we follow Jesus' example? Well, I can tell you in Romans 13, verses 8 through 10, it says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear fault witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not no harm to a neighbor, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love fulfills the law. That's why it's so important. That's why we do this. And I love what John Corson says about this. Quote, we have confidence with God because we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And what things are pleasing in his sight? Obeying him. Faith is pleasing in the sight of God. We obey him by faith. It's interesting. The Jews had over 600 laws in the Old Testament. There were over 600 laws that the Jews had to do. 600, can you imagine that? And each law had a subtitles, and there were laws after law. There were this many pages just on how to obey the Sabbath. It's crazy. You can find this in the Old Testament law. David took that number in Psalm 15 and reduced it to 12. Micah took that number in his, his uh, um, book. He, can, he made it three. But three was too hard, so Jesus said, I'm going to make it real easy for you. I'm going to go down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Jesus made it easy for us. He made it perfect for us. Two commandments. Love God. Love your neighbor. I will tell you right now, folks. If you're not loving God, you cannot love your neighbor. At least not in the way they are supposed to be loved according to God. You've got to get that part right before you can do that part. You've got to get loving God right. You've got to get right with God, loving him first. And John makes it really clear. 
When he says basically the same thing in verse 23, and this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Faith towards God is the only thing that pleases him. He says that in Hebrews. And love towards our fellow man sums up our Christian life. This is what Paul told the Galatians in Galatians 5, chapter, verse 6. Paul tells the Galatians this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Faith working through love. What makes you righteous before God is your faith in Jesus Christ. And then it works out of your heart in love, and it comes out of your life in love. Your faith in Jesus Christ makes you righteous before God. Now, it's interesting to me how many of us opt for rules. We have to have rules. And if I don't have to have rules, I want to make sure you have rules. So I'm going to watch you and make sure you're following the rules, even if I might not be. But it's important that you follow the rules. You have to strive to make those rules. There always want to be those who want to strive for the rules. I got to do this. I'm going to have to do this. Trying to get you to believe in works instead of faith for salvation. But it's faith in Jesus Christ that saves. Faith in faith alone. Sola fide. It's the operation of God's spirit within our heart that works through love. Not contention. Not striving, but it works through love. And in any kind of a relationship with God that causes me to strive with my brother, causes me to become contentious, it's really something that I'm really not interested in. It's faith which works by love. Paul said, faith working through love. Now, the two have to work together. It's easy to emphasize faith and reject love. It's easy to emphasize the gifts but reject love. My faith produces that love. My faith in Jesus Christ produces the love first. It produces that love. The more I believe, the more I love. The more I trust in Jesus, the more I am free to love others. As I trust in him with my whole heart, my love grows for my wife. My love grows for my fellow man. My love grows for all. But I have to be trusting in Jesus Christ first, fully, completely obeying him. The two work together to bring me salvation. When I recognize the love of Jesus Christ on the cross, I believe by faith. It all comes back to our abiding in Jesus Christ. You want to be secure of your salvation? You want to know that you know we need to abide in Christ? One commentator said abiding was the key experience for the believer who wants to have confidence toward God and enjoy the answers to prayer. In the upper room, we studied it at length in John 15, when Jesus said, abide in me and I in you, and you will bring forth fruit, and fruit that lasts. As long as we, the branches, are abiding in him, the vine, we will produce lasting fruit. And what is that lasting fruit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Yeah, but the first one is love. And all the others, praise God. But we need to be that. We can never see ourselves. Take a beautiful growing plant. Maybe not right now because of the time of the year it is. But you take a beautiful growing plant right now, and it has a flower on the end of it. If you break that branch off, what happens to that flower? Dies. When you see yourself separated from the vine. When you see yourself separated from the vine, you're going to be unsure. You're not going to have the blessed assurance because you're separated from the vine. 
And I tell people, when do you question your salvation? When you're off doing something you know you shouldn't do and you're not abiding in Christ. When do you never, ever question your salvation? When you're abiding in Jesus Christ. When you're constantly abiding in him. And you know when you are and when you're not. You know. God also knows too. When Jesus talked about the vine and the branches, he wasn't talking about salvation. He was speaking of fruit bearing. The instant a sinner recognizes their sin, the instant they confess it and place their trust in Jesus Christ, sacrificed on the cross, they enter into a union with Christ. They enter a union with God the Father. When you say, Lord, come into my heart, he does exactly what you asked. He comes into your heart. But we have to continually abide moment by moment never seeing ourselves separated from his love. How? By constantly obeying his word. And what's the commandment? Love one another. This is not rocket science. It seems like we're going around in circles. That's because we are. Love is the evidence that we know him and are abiding in him. When you are walking in the love of the Lord, it's so easy to obey his commandments, to love you, to love each other, to show that love one to another. And when I'm abiding in him, that love flows for me just like sap from a tree into, into the branches. It just flows, and I don't have to push it out. I've never heard a strawberry plant strain and groan to get a strawberry. I never walked by and said, wait a minute, I'm going to have fruit soon because this is no strawberries. No. It just appears because they're abiding in the vine. They're abiding in the branch, and that's what happens in our lives. That love just appears. Man, this person has given me a hard time for a long time, but all of a sudden I have this compassion for them. All of a sudden I have this love for them. All of a sudden I have this, this great feeling. That's the love of Jesus Christ in your heart. By loving the Lord and our neighbors, not in word, in tongue, but in deed and truth, we can have that blessed assurance right now. And when you fall short, don't condemn yourself. You're not a loser. God knows your heart because he's greater than your heart. He knows all things. And he knows that there will be promises we make to him that we won't keep because of the weakness of our flesh. He knows that already. But yet he still chose you. He still died for you. When your heart is condemning you, you will find a beautiful freedom in your relationship with Jesus Christ because he sees everything that's in your heart. He knows that you are his and that he has chosen you before the foundations of the world and nothing can separate it from his love. He knows the plans he has for you and he will work all things together for good because he loves you and you loved him and he's called you to his purpose. God knows you better than you know yourselves and yet he still loves us because his love is pure. His love is great and he will continue to love us until the end of time. Amen? Amen. And he loves you right now more than you'll ever know. And he can't love you any more right now than he did when Jesus died on the cross. That's how great his love is. Now, why don't we share that love one to another? Why don't we share God's love? Why do we hold back to some and not to others? And we're all guilty. I'm guilty. Stand up here as a hypocrite. I'm guilty of that. Why don't we just share that love freely? Because the flesh. Don't beat yourself up. We need to have the blessed assurance. You are Our time with you has come to an end today on A Sure Hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 1 John 
In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more information. Perhaps you prefer email. If so, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 John. We look forward to the next time as Pastor Dave will share more things that God has put on his heart from this New Testament letter. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and be reminded of God and that He is a sure hope.